And welcome back to another edition of Leadering Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, with my co-host, Emil Carr. What's going on, brother? How are you doing? I'm good. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day, David. Exactly. You know? Yeah, definitely. Big up to all of the people like you and me that have uh, actual real American blood. You know? <laughs> yep. Of yeah, course, but all, uh, all good. I mean, I'm in... Uh, I'm in the studio over here at a makeshift uh, Leave It in the Ring East studio. I'm working on it. Remember, <laughs> whatever happened to Golden Boy East and, and Death Row Records East? There was a lot of East, East businesses stuff that didn't, before. Yeah. It's almost well, as bad now, as... Uh... Now it's Leave It in the Ring East. <laughs> the only difference is that the Leave It in the Ring East is actually real. It actually does yeah. show up, you know? That's yeah, yeah. That's the huge difference there and stuff, man. Um, hey, well, I'm glad yeah. that we're back. Yeah, because you know, me too. I got a lot of emails, and I apologize to a lot of folks that were like hoping to hear our review of uh, the Charles pay per view uh, about Canelo and the Zone, about the news about uh, Wilder and Fury three being canceled. Um, you know. I'm going to explain, like I explained to a couple folks on email when I respond back. And if I don't respond back to you right away, don't take it personal. Because I know some guys are taking it kind of personal and then they kind of answer, they kind of send me back another email that they're, they're kind of upset. You know what I mean? Because here's one thing, okay? I want to make this clear. We value everybody that tunes in and listens, whether whether you're a fan of the show or not. Uh, me and Milkar love to respond back to our listeners. Okay, there's it's not like we don't want to. Uh, the difference is that we're just really busy. Um, I'm self-employed, and and then Amilcar is a is a teacher, and also he's doing some upgrades on his home. So we oh, had yeah. some life issues kind of just get in the get in the way, and that's why we didn't um, you know come on live and stuff. It's not like we don't want to come on. Trust me, we want to come on. I mean, we literally like try to make it happen right the milk car like we were really trying to make it happen it just oh yeah we just couldn't do it and we were like trying to get on like a wednesday or even like a thursday but every time we we tried to have like our, in sync our time together it just never worked out you know so we just figured yeah. you know what let's just erase the board and let's just shoot for this day and get back on into the regular hour on monday at 5 p.m Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Leave the Ring on our YouTube channel. Now, some of you guys are wondering why we're not on Block Talk. It's because I haven't figured this all out yet. Um, I'm just happy that we're doing this live right now. We're not having any complications. Hopefully, we're not having any complications here on the YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to hit that little like button and that notification bell so you know when we're on live. Okay. But again, I appreciate everybody that emails us and asks us questions, and I try to answer back as everybody's uh, back as, as as soon as I can. Or like I said, I'll respond back saying, "Hey, we'll talk about that on the show." Okay. So. Again, I appreciate everybody that tunes in, writes to us, and wants to talk boxing with us. Because trust me, if I could, I'd talk boxing with everybody 24-7. But I got to make a living. You know what I mean? Um, unfortunately, boxing talk doesn't put food on the table. Not for yeah, me. Yeah, and I had, to, uh, <laughs> I had to paint my, paint my whole apartment and uh, move a whole lot of shit. And actually, I'm pretty much in a closet right now. But we both really wanted to do this show. Right. You know, next week, I'll, I'll have... My home set up really nice. I actually just put down some stuff on my floor, as I told David about, so the windows are wide open. Hopefully, I don't pass out during the show. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, we've had a couple good weeks of boxing, and obviously we've got a really big card coming up ahead of us on ESPN this Saturday night. Yeah, we really do. I mean, there's a big fight that's happening Saturday that we've all been anticipating. Um, obviously, we're going to go down the line. Um, I guess, I don't know, should we preview the Lomachenko and Lopez fight here first on Leaving the Ring? Or should we play catch-up with other stuff that's happened? But Because I think a lot of folks will probably want to hear our thoughts about Lomachenko and Lopez. Since that is the big event and everything that everybody's talking about, right now, among the boxing community, that is the big, big, big thing that's happening this Saturday for October. Yeah, I mean, we might as well start with the big one on Saturday. So in Las Vegas, as we all know, this is a unification fight. The w WBC did uh, say that it's winner takes all. Um, Devin Haley is, is also a champion with the WBC, but it's like a regular champion. 
So, again, you yeah. know, the bounce, the alphabet soup, again, is making things very confusing. But the truth of the matter is, is that there is no argument at all that Lomachenko is the guy to beat in order to be recognized as one of the best fighters in the world. So that's what uh, Lopez uh, uh, is trying to do, uh, Teofimo Lopez is trying to do, is he's trying to solidify himself in history. Forget about the bouts, forget about everything else. He's trying to solidify himself in history as a guy that dared to be great. And that in boxing is in, in itself is very, very important. And that's what Lopez is trying to do. So if, you, if you're looking at the belts and you're looking at, well, here's Haley and here's this guy and there's that guy, then yes, you're going gonna, gonna to get confused. But if you want to shave that all the way and look at who's at the best in that division, there's no argument. Lomachenko is the man to beat because he's the top dog. Am I wrong about that? Emil Carr, what do you think? No, I think... I think Lomachenko's proven himself to be the top fighter at 135 pounds. Um, obviously, it's a talented division. You know, you've got you mentioned Devin Haney. Um, you know, there's Tank Davis, who's kind of alternating between 135 right. and 130. And obviously, you've got Teofimo. Um, Luke Campbell is still out there. I think that that is the win that really solidified Lomachenko as the number one. Because I keep saying this, like, Luke Campbell is one of the most you know, unlucky guys in boxing um, in terms of never having won a title. Um, so I, I think that that solidified him as number one. Um, Teofimo's essentially number two at the moment after, that. you know, the vicious knockout of Romy. So, yeah, this is one of the rare things that we don't always get to see in boxing, which is the number one guy fighting the number two guy. Um, right. And, and for that reason, I think it's a very exciting fight. You know, I'm going to point out some things and I'm still doing measuring the fighters. Um, I'm probably going to do that tomorrow, Wednesday. I'm not really sure yet. I got to look at the schedule mm -hmm. um, where I'm going to break down their percentage of KO and, you know, give you a little bit of that. But I'm as tonight, today, I'm going to give you my prediction of what I think is going to happen here. I'm going to say this. <clears throat> Anytime you have a fight where you have the boxing community at a split down, down the middle divided about who's going to win and everybody's giving up their a really good argument of why they're picking so-and-so. Um, that tells you everything that you need to know about this fight. That means that this fight is very intriguing and very well matched. That these two guys are willing to take part in something that a lot of fighters now, nowadays are not really doing. They're avoiding this. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're hearing a, you always hear the talks about this guy needs to cross the street. Well, yeah, both of these guys are in the same promotional company, but both guys could have opt not fighting each other and waited much longer down the line. Especially Timo uh, uh, Teofimo Lopez, he could have waited. He's a bit yeah. younger, but. He's taking the Fernando Vargas route, which is, hey, I'm ready now, and I want it today. And that's exactly what he's doing. People are thinking about Teofimo's Lopez size may be a huge factor. Uh, people are thinking that Lomachenko's experience is going to be a much major factor. People are pointing out that uh, Lomachenko's footwork and his boxing skills is going to be the factor of the fight. Then there's folks that are pointing that Teofimo Lopez's power is going to be the big factor of the fight. Here's the factor, is that everybody's got good points, and there's enough to there to say this guy can win and that guy to win. But at the end of the day, to me, in my opinion, I think there's a bit of a 60-40 into this fight here, uh, 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 Car. And what I mean is 64 Lomachenko and 40 for Tefimo uh, Lopez. And I'll tell you why. You know, when we look at when we look at the record, I mean, they're similar, 15 and 15, okay? Uh, uh, Lomachenko has 13 KOs and Lopez has got 14. But if you look at the guys, the list of guys that Timofimo Lopez has beaten, the, the list compared to what Lomachenko has done, it's not there. Okay, so you can now factor that the experience goes to Lomachenko. Timofimo Lopez still got questions. Can he, can he adjust? The best performance, which was one of his weakest performance, if you ask uh, any other expert, is that Lopez against the Japanese fighter, which I can't remember his name, I know, or can't pronounce it correctly, is by far his best because it was his well-adjustment in that fight, but it was also one of his weakest performance, right? Yeah, you're talking about Nakatani. Nakatani, there you go. You yeah. know? Now, it did answer some questions for us, meaning that, you know, Lopez... Finally, we found an opponent that could take his power, so it forced Lopez to do something else, which is what? Box. Okay? That was something that a lot of us didn't know whether he could do or not, and he did that. But still, 
in the likes of facing a Lomachenko, who we've seen, who's been able to adjust to every opponent in front of him and make these adjustments at towards the end of the like the mid rounds and championship rounds, it says a lot about Lomachenko. So when I say 60-40, the reason I'm giving 40 chance to, to uh, uh, Lopez is that Lopez to me has four rounds, four rounds to be explosive. Because after those four rounds, Lomachenko will slowly dissect him and figure him out and start taking away those other rounds and start stacking those rounds and putting them in the bank. If you'll watch Lomachenko throughout his career right now as a pro out of those 15 fights, you'll see that, yeah, He's had trouble with guys in the early rounds, but it's slowly he starts taking over. And that's something that Lomachenko, I mean, that's something that Lopez does not want to allow Lomachenko to do. And that's why I say he's got to be explosive. From the first bell, boom, he's got to be right on top of the older fighter Lomachenko. He can't allow him to breathe because if he does, if he does take his foot off the gas, it's going to be Lomachenko very slowly start creeping up. Now, remember this. People are going to point out Orlando Salido or what he did to Lomachenko. Well, there's two things. You know, Lopez is going to have to fight like Orlando. But does Lopez have enough tricks in the bags the way Salido did? Salido's a veteran fighter. But here's another thing. Remember this. Uh, 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 Siri started losing the fight towards the end, towards the last three or four rounds of that fight, Lomachenko started taking over. Let's not forget, Lomachenko rocked Siri in that 12th round. So again, it shows out of those 15 fights, if you allow him to get past those six rounds, you know, or seven rounds, Lomachenko slowly turns it around into his favor. So again, I go with a 60-40. It's a great fight. What's my pick? I'm going to go with Lomachenko right now. I just think that if he if he's not blown out and in those four or five rounds of the kid being explosive, because we know he is, he's very explosive. If he can't do it and he decides to try to box the boxer, it's slowly going to slowly going to start weighing into the favor of Lomachenko. Uh, I think that's a very good analysis, Dave. Um, my main thing is Lomachenko is still. Uh, in the tail end of his physical prime. And right. I think his physical prime, the peak of it, was probably about two, three years ago. But he's still at the tail end of it. And he's got that great combination of, obviously, the amateur experience, which he's now turned into the pro experience. Right. Uh, he's passed every test that's been put in front of him, except for the, Sol the Salido fight, which... I mean, come on, you fought Orlando Salido in your first pro fight. I mean, that in itself, not first pro fight, but was it his second? It was very early on. Um, I mean, that that said a lot, and he learned from that experience, and he's built upon that. Now, I do think that Teofimo Lopez is a very talented guy. Uh, I don't necessarily see this as kind of the... Fernando Vargas, a Trinidad fight, only in the sense that I don't see him getting beat up as bad. But I see him getting uh, dominated if it goes, just like you said, David, beyond, I would say, the first three, four rounds. Um, what I saw in that, in that uh, Nakatami fight was someone who didn't necessarily have a, a second or third uh, game plan to resort to. Right. Um, you're going to need a lot more than two, three game plans to beat Nomanchenko. Uh, I get it. Nakatami was was taller than him, kind of rangy, kind of an awkward style. Well, if that troubled him, if that was awkward, you know, he's going to see a lot of awkward stuff from, from Vasil, Vasil Lomanchenko this weekend. Right. And I, I don't think that v Vasil is going to be trading with them early on to give him that opportunity to necessarily be explosive. And if he does, he's going to be doing it tactically to make him run into something um, and make him pay. Uh, so, yeah, the last thing I'm going to say is, you know, with all those amateur fights and all the pro experience that he has, he's seen all kinds of styles. Um, yes. He's engaged with young, hungry, explosive fighters. Uh you know, in four round fights, obviously, first as an amateur and then with the World Series of Boxing and then later on in his pro career. I, right. I think it's it, it's going to be a, a tail. Uh, sorry, I think it's going to be a Lomachenko win. 
whether or not it goes to 12 rounds or not is really going to be dependent on Teofimo's chin, which we haven't really seen being tested so far as yet in his career. I don't think it is going to be tested still. I think that, you know, yeah. I think the Manador and Bull is the perfect way of describing what this fight's going to be. And I think that Lomachenko, Vasily Lomachenko understands he's the Manador in this fight. Okay. Teofimo Lopez is the bull. Now, can the bull outsmart the Manador? Absolutely. It's happened before, you know, but normally uh, the bull has kind of a window and that window when it's opened, he's got to jump right through it. Teofimo has the youth to do it. And he's actually, he's got the desire. That's what makes him very dangerous and makes this fight very interesting because a lot of stuff, like I like to piggyback on what you're saying about the age of, of uh, Vasily Lomachenko. You know, yeah. he's, he's seen everything. Absolutely. But can you do it twice? Can you do it three times all the time? Because the way you reacted to Siri is not necessarily, could you react the same way to a Lomach, to a, uh, uh, to a Lopez who to point out is a much larger man than, than uh, Orlando uh, Salido much bigger. Okay. And he's obviously going to come in much heavier. You know, he could probably possibly come in as a junior middleweight on Saturday night. So there's a lot of factors here. I think the thing with Lomachenko is that he's a very small guy. Okay. He's jumped up and his punch resistance hasn't been the same since fighting in the the lower weights. So there's things there that Lopez and, and his team and his father can look at and take advantage. And I think I'm pretty sure that's what they're looking at. I'm pretty sure they're looking at that window, which is a very short window. They have to jump through. And that's why I'm saying it's got to be early, early because Lomachenko is a slow, is a very slow starter. You know, he likes to go up the hill before he starts picking up the speed. He likes to like kind of travel and look at the scenery and kind of, um, um, Check out the environment to see whether or not he could leap or he could jump. He can do whatever he can. And going back to like Lenares or even Campbell, who kind of gave trouble to uh, Lomachenko, the only thing that I could point about those two fighters uh, in terms with uh, Lopez is that both of those fighters, Campbell and uh, Lenares, is that they were on their bicycle a lot. You know, they gave Lomachenko, you know, uh, angles. They made sure that Lomachenko was trying to find him. You know, where Lopez, is he going to do that, Amilcar? Are we going to see him use his footwork? Are we going to see him try to find angles to throw punches? I'm not sure because if, if, if our memory serves me right, the guys that have mostly that that Lomachenko has made retire are guys that stand right in front of him. Yeah, or guys that try to you know outbox him. Um, you know, it didn't it didn't really go too well for you know the the Axeman and and others that he's fought. Uh, it didn't go too well for Rigo, though. I'll, I tell anyone who listens that Rigo's a hundred and eighteen pounder, so I barely count that victory. But yeah, I mean. Most of the guys that he's retired are, are, are guys that do just what you said, David. You know, the thing about, like, the axe man is if we look at that fight, the one thing I can point out is that Lopez is a much bigger guy, not, not bigger than the axe yeah. man. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying he's bigger than the axe man. But what I'm, what I'm trying to uh, point out is that Lopez is a far more athletic guy than the axe man was. You know, I was uh, really disappointed in the axe man, oh, to be so honest. I. Not to, oh, I was too. Not, not to go back to that because it was a while ago, but I was really looking forward to that fight, and it ended up being such a mismatch. Oh, it was. Um, a I don't know how mismatch. foretelling that is. Yeah, in terms of what's going to happen Saturday, look, I'm open to being proven wrong here, and I'm sure you are too, David. I right. just haven't seen enough from Teofimo up to this point to show me that he's going to be able to defeat a two-time Olympian with, with the pedigree of, of, of Lomachenko. It's, I haven't seen it yet, and maybe he'll show it to us Saturday, but you know, I didn't see it against Mason Menard. I didn't see it against Magdaleno. I didn't see it against uh, Nakatami. You know, I didn't even see it against Richard Comey because the way that Richard Comey fought is not the way that, that Lomachenko is going to fight. He's going to be much more defensively minded. He's going to he's going to be, you know, uh, throwing his shots, but setting them up. He's going to be using angles. He's going to be using footwork. And 
he's not going to just be standing there to, to, to get teed off on the way Richard Comey was. Really quick, I apologize if you guys can't comment. I don't know why it put it on kids. So you can't comment on the video or communicate with us. I apologize about that. Um, I guess I didn't do it correctly when I filled out everything. Uh, but let me, let, me, let me just go back to what Lomachenko and, uh, and Lopez really quick. Um, God, I had something that I wanted to, to talk to you about, but I just right now went blank because I wanted to point out what was going on with the comments and stuff like that. But uh, it'll come back to me uh, about what I wanted to point out with Lopez. Let me get things here for a moment, man. I'm sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> um, That's okay. You know, going, going back with Lopez, you know, um, oh, this is what I was going to say. The one thing that Lopez has got to do with, with Lomachenko and has been able to make numerous fighters that he's faced so far uh, is is be hesitant. And Lopez can't do that. Uh, if you watch like Nonaris, and I watched that fight again, the, 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 the mild success that he had with Lomachenko was that when Lonaris decided to follow through with his punches, not meaning not just throwing a jab, but when he threw in combinations, he was really successful. And that was really um, how he was kind of breaking down Lomachenko in those mid rounds, okay? And he even caught, caught Lomachenko where he hurt him really bad and dropped him. With Lopez is that he's got to go in there with his full confidence, okay? He can't hesitate and he can't second guess himself. He's a power puncher. He's athletic. He's young. He's got to believe in all of that, okay? All in that with the complete with with the completeness of remembering though that he has a guy that's very elusive. Okay, so he's got to know he's got to predict where Lomachenko's head's gonna go before he throws it. So that means when he throws a jab, he's already got to understand that throwing a jab, he's gonna either have to throw a right hook or over the top right hand, something. Something of that effect, just in case the hand of Lomachenko decides to veer to the left or veer to the right. Because if one thing that Lomachenko does very phenomenal, very well, is he does a lot of flinching and he does a lot of things. Like he likes to pity pat and he pity pats to see how your body reacts. You know, he sees if you want to pair. He sees if you pull back. He sees if you duck down. Whatever he does. And it's almost like it's a memory log. He's, he's just memorizing everything that you're doing. So then, then later on, he's going to find those little kinks and he's going to start landing some harder shots and that's how he really does break down his opponents and that's where Lopez has got to understand that those first three four rounds Lomo's not going to let something off hard he's not going to shoot a missile okay what he's trying to do is distract you he's, he's starting a diversion so he can land something big in those mid rounds so Lopez has just got to follow through with those big shots and make Lomachenko hesitate make Lomachenko be out of pocket the way Siri did it to Lomachenko in those first six rounds of their fight he made Lomachenko think before throwing what was the opposite Lomachenko was used to making those guys overthink with their their position and they made mistakes that's what Lopez has got to do okay and the youth can do that youth can make an older guy overthink their position overthink what they're going to throw and make them sit there and think about what combination they're going to let go and without them knowing boom they're hit that's what Lopez has got to do he's got to jump on them it's just, to me again it's a 60 40 fight I won't be surprised if the kid goes out there and knocks out Lomachenko, but like I said, it's a very small window in my opinion. I really see the fight going like 8-4. Eight, 8-4, eight, eight rounds to Lomachenko, four rounds to Lopez. That's my opinion, you know? Yeah, so then that that's like a 75-25 uh, um, kind of matchup, which I'm kind of there with you as well. And I agree with you about the way Loma uses kind of those pity pats, uh, yeah. Shots. He almost uses them as feints, yes. and I, I bring up Rigo again, but it's something he used to do as well. He'd almost like show you the shot and then throw it, yes. just to kind of get a read about your reactions and what you're doing. It also and makes you comfortable. It, you know that? I mean, you know, I yeah. remember when I used to train. The guy used to train me. His name was Lupe. Um, I remember like he used to say, "Hey, don't extend your jab all the way out. Do a half jab." Do a half jab. Make them feel that it's only going to touch their glove. And then when they become comfortable and they kind of let their the, the, the tense of their body relax, bam, shoot it in. And that's how you can break their yeah. nose or blind them, and then you can throw in your right hand. So a lot of stuff that Lomachenko does, the old school fighters did it, okay? They used to set a, a, you know plant a seed, 
And then once they planted it, then they were able to grow off of that. And that's what Lomachenko does. And that's what Lopez and Team uh, uh, team Lopez and t- t- uh, his father, they got to understand that what Lomachenko is going to do is he's going to plant a lot of different seeds before he grows on the on that on that plant and stuff. So, you know, this well, what is... I'm hoping for. Sorry, go ahead, Dave. Go, no, go for it. What are you going to say? No, what I'm hoping for is that, uh, and I'm going to kind of say the kind of thing I used to hear George Foreman say a lot when I was uh-huh. watching fights as a kid on HBO, which is that he's got to make it rough in there. Siri had a lot of success because he made it rough. Siri made him think about things because he was honestly rule-breaking and hitting him low and hitting him, you know, uh, making just making it very uncomfortable for him. Teofimo's, a, a, from what we can tell so far, just – sizing them up is a bigger stronger guy he's a younger guy you know again channeling george foreman hit him on the shoulder you know work the body you know um just make it very uncomfortable for him and when he's on the inside if he has to you know rather than try to outbox him and trade combinations with him clinch him right yeah clinch him make it rough you know make and kind of take away the pace of the fight from Lomachenko, because one thing yeah. Lomachenko does, like all great fighters, is they make you fight at their own pace. At their own and pace, if, at their yeah. own comfort zone. He, you know, Lopez, and I think his dad and and Teofimo know they can't show any respect from the first round None. when that bell hits. They cannot show any kind of respect. This is a war. You know, Hagler used to go at the war hat and touch it. War. That war mentality has got to show up. Right when that bell rings, that first minute, it's got to tell Lomachenko whether Lomo feels old or or if there's still dog left in Lomachenko. That's what Lopez has got to pull out. I, I don't think he should go in there trying to outbox Lomachenko. I think no. if he does that, it's going to be a problem. Um, no. I think he's got to make it a very rough uh, dog fight. And like I said, clinch him. You know, hold him and walk him down. Hit him on the shoulders. Hit him on the hips. Hit him anywhere you have to. Obviously, go to the body, work the body. But I would not be trying to, to trade combinations uh, with him at at uh, tail. Uh, sorry, at, at Lomachenko's kind of mid range. Um, I do everything I kind of kind of get inside and make it as rough a fight as possible. And if you have success doing that, then later on, uh, then you can kind of open up a little bit the way we saw him do against other fighters. I don't think he can he can do what he's done to the other fighters he's beaten to Lomachenko, especially early on. He's gonna have to put I in just, the work. I just can't see Lopez, and I'm sorry, I just can't see Lom, uh, 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 Lopez doing what Siri was able to do to Lomachenko. And I, I'll tell you why. You know, yeah. as as much as some folk could say that Siri kind of fight really sloppy and it was it was an ugly type of style that he used against Lomachenko. At the end of the day, that's a tough style. And I've never seen Very Lopez. Tough. I've never seen Lopez kind of do that. When he fought Richard Comey, he he needed that distance. He needed that range to land that right hand. So, and, and here's the thing: that style, where you're grabbing a guy, kind of grappling and just throwing very short punches, it's very tiring. If if you don't have very the stamina, if you don't have that stamina, and you didn't, and you haven't been doing that for a while. It's very difficult to try to continuously do it for 12 rounds. And so so difficult that Orlando gassed out on the eighth, between the eighth and ninth round. He couldn't do it anymore. And that's why Lomachenko was able to take over. You know, and that's my that's my concern there. Is that whatever my whatever minor uh, 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 success Lopez has, he's gotta bite it. He's gotta be a pet bull. He can't let go because the longer the duration of the fight goes the more adjustments Lomachenko's going to take. And you got to right. he's a very smart, intelligent guy. You know, it's like fighting a Floyd Mayweather. As much criticism we can get Floyd, the one thing we knew about Floyd is he had three game plans every time he stepped into that ring. Yeah. And, and look, you know, Lomachenko's known, obviously, for having a, a background in dance. And it makes sense that he fights to a rhythm. And right. he does that successfully. I think the main thing Siri did by, you know, holding with one hand, hitting with the other, hitting low, hitting on the hips, doing literally everything he needed to do, like you said, for those eight rounds, was he didn't allow Lomachenko to fight within his rhythm. It was very difficult to get his rhythm going and to kind of get started to the beat of his drum. 
Um, and you're right. I don't know if Teofimo Lopez is going to be able to do that. He relies on his boxing to beat people. Uh, boxing and his, and his athleticism, obviously, in terms of being kind of quicker and, and faster uh, than his opponents. But, you know, it's it's uh, it's this is why it's an interesting fight. And last thing I'm going to say about this fight, Dave, and we spoke about this before the show, but as excited about watching this fight as I am, I just don't buy the hype of it in terms of it being a pay-per-view level fight. I, I'm very excited by the fight. You know, I grew up watching Showtime cha- uh, Championship Boxing and, you know, HBO Championship Boxing. Right. Being very excited for those fights. I see it along that caliber of fight. I don't think that either of these two guys are, are pay-per-view stars. And I think it's quite disingenuous when ESPN keeps mentioning that, oh, this fight isn't on pay-per-view. You're so lucky to be watching it on ESPN. It's like, no, this fight should have never been on pay-per-view. And, well, the sad, the you sad know, part about the Mill cards, you got to be realistic. Yeah. This fight would have yeah. ended up on pay-per-view because – if anything, the promoters have always tried before. Before you know the the app, any app that that was that came into fruition, the promoters try to put everything on pay per view. Remember, anything that even sounded remotely big, they automatically try to put it on pay per view. Top top ranking Bob Arum. Let's not forget they they made Mexico versus the Philippines. On put they put that on pay per view. Uh, Latin, the Latin Furies fights. They, he put that on pay per view. So they are yeah, right. They he is right. Well, this is not on pay per view. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but David, with all due respect, and I'm uh, one of the few people that used to watch those cards. Those were like 1999 pay per views. Right. Those weren't the uh, you know seventy nine dollars plus another ten dollars if you want to watch it in HD. Very true. Which Very is almost true. everybody watches. Yeah. They're like, who doesn't have an HDTV in 2020? Uh, they're trying to make out it's like that kind of a pay per view. Like, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, a Tyson Holyfield or Holyfield Lewis or uh, Deloria Mosley. You know, I mean, Deloria Trinidad. I'm sorry. I'm excited for this fight, but it's not fucking Deloria Trinidad. It's just not. It isn't in the terms because of the way things are market, but I do believe that this is a great market way, a marketing way to to intrigue uh, other subscribers to the ESPN Plus. Okay, and what I mean it is, is this: it, here's the thing: they didn't not ESPN and Top Rank decided not to do the aggressive route, which the Zone did, which is pay per views dead, pay per views dead. Instead, yeah. what ESPN Plus and Top Rank did was say, "Hey, subscribers." Instead of, we're not going to do what PBC promised they weren't going to do to you, okay? We're going to put this for free, which in reality, it really isn't for free because we're paying for it for an app, but it's just not 80, 80 bucks, okay? Um, but yeah. also, it also gives other folks, because I've, I, you know, I'm a blue-collar guy, so I work with a, a, a large amount of different people, and I've heard some folks go, hey, man, this, so this fight that was supposed to be on pay for you is going to be for free. Is it going to be any good? I'm like, yeah, it is. So see what I'm saying? It, it, it already embedded in their head that they're getting something for free, and I think it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I'm not saying I don't disagree with you. If this was supposed to, I mean, you know what I mean? You're right. This is not something that would have ended up on pay-per-view, you know, um, because they're not really household names yet. Neither one of these guys. No. You know? Neither. I mean, to me, it's on the level. And again, I was super excited for this fight when it happened. Same here. Yeah. But like uh, uh, Kostya Zhu, uh, Zab Judah, which was on Showtime Championship Boxing, or, you know, Gotti May- Mayweather, something like, those were not pay-per-view fights they were big right. fights but you know fuck even uh lennox lewis versus vlad uh sorry not vladimir uh, vitali klishko that wasn't a pay-per-view fight that no. was on a regular hbo that was a great fight i was very excited for it so right. you know I'll, i'm not gonna go on and on about this because i don't want to obviously just rant about 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 all of this but i just ESPN's doing a good job. I think they've surpassed the zone. I think right now it's between ESPN and uh, PBC Boxing in terms of right. what, uh, in terms of our leaders uh, in television right now. Um, yes. You know, ESPN also brings us those those uh, UK cards. Although I was surprised that the Liam William Williams card wasn't on the, the Plus app. I, 
No, it wasn't. That's a, I yeah. wish it was. If we have time, I'd like I mean, to talk about that that later. But you, you, they really need to give us all of those fights. Obviously, we're do. junkies. I need those fights. You know, the the thing is, is that if you really think about it, um, when you think of household, and, and this is what I why I understand what they're saying. This is not a you know, hey, guess what? When when I put it in on um, pay per view. It's for free, okay? You're getting a fight that you're not going to have to pay this X amount of dollars. Uh, also, because we're in the COVID-19 pandemic, there's a lot of stuff going on. Hey, we're here for you. It's a great message to the subscribers. It's a great message to sport fans in general, sport fans, guys that love baseball, guys that love football and basketball because it all kind of kind of caters back to boxing. Any one of those fans, they may not be avid fans like us, but when they hear something pay-per-view, that's like the high bar of the sport. That's yeah, it is. everybody knows that's the Super Bowl for boxing. So they're when they hear that, what? A pay-per-view if I but it's not going to be on pay- that's great. But here's the truth of the it's, matter. When we hmm. talked about them not being household names, can you give me one fighter right now that really is a household name that's not a heavyweight? Forget about Wilder and forget about Fury. That's not a household name out there that they could really promote. Uh, 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 Crawford is in a household name. Spence is in a no. household name. Garcia. This is the- pretty much Canelo, and that's about Canelo's it. Canelo's about me. Yep. But yeah, Canelo's about. You know, it's to me, it's yeah. like if I go to Chipotle and I order my, uh, you know, my burrito or whatever, and you know, I get the black beans and I get the brown rice, and then I'm already paying for that, and then they're like, "Do you want pico de gallo?" I'm like, "Yeah." Is that free or did I already pay for it? I already bought the app. It's not fucking free. I paid for the app. The the fact that I'm getting in this fight, don't tell me that it's free. It's not free. I, like I'm I'm taking it. I'm liking it. It's great. But it's not pay-per-view worthy. It's just not. I'm sorry. And it's also not free. No. No, it isn't free. But like I said, I, I'm okay with... I'm okay with them saying it's pay-per-view worthy because, like I said, go back. Okay, Javante Davis and, and, and Leo Santa Cruz, is that really pay-per-view? Like, that should that really be on pay-per-view? Okay, that's a good point. You got me on that one. That shouldn't be a pay-per-view at, <laughs> at, at all. all either, but they put that on pay <laughs> And we're going to talk about the Charlo Brothers card. That shouldn't have been a pay-per-view. No. They should have. But it but was. The, but, the, but, but the whole stack card was great. I loved it, except for when they had that podcast type of you know thing they were trying to do let's get to that now let's get to that now so So, real quick let's just let's make sure okay so i got lomachenko decision who do you got i've got lomachenko by decision there you go there we go or late round or late round or late round tko i'd be very surprised man and i i think this kid lopez is that just that fundamentally that strong i I, he kind of he honestly he reminds me a lot of Fernando Vargas, and that's why I bring up Fernando Vargas a lot. I just don't think he's technically sound like Fernando Vargas, you know, in terms of boxing skills. But in terms, in terms of aggressive, you know, being ferocious, I, I see this kid just like that. I think he's going to be very stubborn for anybody to try to get out of there. There's just too much pride with him and his dad. I think that he looks at it, I'll let everybody down. Um, I think it's going to be a... I, I think this is going to be a a, a a very test to Lopez and too to Lomachenko, you know. And, too and, much too early. And you know why hmm. I said that at the TKO? It's like you brought up with Vargas. What happened to, what happened to Vargas when he faced Tito? Yeah. TKO, right? TKO. He wouldn't stay down. And he, st- he, started, he started out well, you know. I remember El Feroz had me believing in him. I, I thought he was going to... I thought he was going to take Tito out for a while, and then what happened? Then he didn't. Right. You know what did Tito, what did Tito do? He used that old school knowledge, use those, you know that that experience, and he put it together, and he and he took him out. Well, you know, Tito much in the way he hopped remember, to him later this. on. Remember this, yeah, Tito, yeah. Tito yeah. Trinidad caught him early because the fact is that Fernando yeah. went out there believing that his youth and strength and that size was going to be a major factor. And 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 yeah. it caught him by surprise. But Lomachenko doesn't have any of the the attributes that that Tito Trinidad has, so he can't do any of that. You know what I mean? Like he can't be that. Yeah. He doesn't have that that power to make Lopez that, that left hook. Ooh, yeah. that left hook to the yeah. body. 
Lomachenko has to do exactly what Lomachenko has been doing his whole career, which is is slowly take away your best punches. Slowly, just slowly take that away. They call him the Matrix for a reason, not just because he's elusive. He just slowly starts taking you apart, you know, and, and sees like, oh, this guy likes to throw a straight right. Okay, well, let me let me nummify that. Let me take that away. What, let's say if I take that, is he any good with his left? That's what Lomachenko does, you know, and that's what Lopez and Team uh, Lopez has got to understand is that if he figures out how you throw your right hand, like he, he, he sees your tick, like the way Tyson Fury was able and his team was able to, with Jonathan Banks, was able to figure, I mean, not, uh, uh, with uh, uh, Sugar Hill, they were able to figure yeah, out uh, Wilder that he would drop that right nipple level before he threw his right hand. Absolutely. It's over. It's over for, for, for Lopez and them. But they have to know yeah. that. That you know what? He took dad's two steps back it. every time he he took two steps back every time Wilder dropped that right hand. Two small little steps. Yep. Took himself out of range. And that's you know, where, and that's, that's how, that's how these super high level guys see stuff. Yes. And that's where Team Lopez, because again, I've said I said this last, a couple like a couple months ago when this fight was announced. Remember this? I don't know if you remember when I said this is just not about these two fighters facing each other. These are about, this is actually about two fathers that trained their sons facing each other. Yeah, that too. You know? So, so in other words, find so, out? so you see, so you see uh, Papa Lopez throwing in the towel or not? I don't think so. I think Papa Lopez is pride is about as big as his son. He believes in his son. Yeah. Who wouldn't believe in his son? I mean, you know, when I trained my boys and my own, my son, Tristan, um, I believed in him. Um, you know, the only difference was is that I listened, you know, I mean, sometimes yeah. you, you kind of like try to live through your kids and stuff. That's a whole different story. But, you know, yeah. I, I think that in order to make a, a duel on a very strong duel is that you both have to have to believe that you're that, that whatever a father has to believe, whatever he created is indestructible. And, it's it, yeah. you can't believe that Lomachenko doesn't think the same way that Tim, uh, 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 Teofimo Lopez's dad doesn't think. Because if they did, mm. they they would have not made it to the to the elite. They, you know what I mean? You can't move up the ladder thinking like that. You can't think that your son can be broken. You know, you don't make no. it. You don't make it there with doubts. You never make it to the top with doubts at all. If you do, you don't belong in this game. You don't belong in boxing at all if you believe in doubts. So speaking about doubts. You know, I doubted whether I could make it to the end of the uh, Charlo Brothers pay-per-view being out here on the East Coast. And you know what? I, I couldn't make it, Dave. I fell asleep in the in the uh, right. co-feature. Uh, and I, I know terrible. I complained to you about that. It was, what the hell, man? You know, I, I, I remember in the beginning, I was like, why have they split up the pay-per-view like this? Um, and then you have these two guys in the middle just blabbing on and on about nonsense. And honestly, the fight that took place after that break caused me to just fall asleep, and then I missed the main event, and I had to watch it the following day. What were your overall thoughts of the card? The overall thoughts of the fights... I don't know what the hell this guy's talking about. Um, The overall thoughts of the fights were this. I loved them. I thought that the, the, the start of it was... The momentum was great. Everything was going. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Every fight was just on top. You know, it had you wanting to see more, you know. And and like I said on, on Twitter, I was like, every fight that was listed was a fight that you can't get up to grab a beer during the fight, only in between the rounds. And it lived up to that. So for them to, to roll over to a podcast type of style uh, for the intermission was a terrible idea. Because you lost the yeah. steam. You just lost that whole steam there. And you lost fans. I mean, it was like an hour of us waiting to kind of, to, 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 you know, get that. Like, you never stop the momentum. Who would do that? That's the I dumbest agree. thing. You know what I mean? That momentum I was mean, going. You keep no. it rolling. It was. I mean, I felt like the, the Roman uh, Payano fight, you know, got us going. It was a good right. good fight, you know. Um uh, I actually was quite impressed, believe it or not, by Payano. You know, this is the yeah. same guy who had got just sparked out by by the monster in a way. You know, moving up 
in in weight and kind of taking it to De- Daniel Roman. And for a lot of it, he looked like the stronger fighter, right? Right. Then uh, we get to the second fight uh, with Brandon Figueroa. When is Brandon Figueroa ever not excited? You no. know, I, I'm, like uh, I said, that, that was guy a great catches, fight. Yeah, I mean, that guy's a, a great uh, catcher with his face. <laughs> right? Absolutely. And then, uh, obviously, we had the... Uh, the, the Sergey Devrinchenko fight with Charlo, which I thought was one of the uh, best middleweight fights I've seen in a while. Um, yeah, it was a great I, fight. I, thought, uh, I just thought it was great, and I thought that uh, Jermel Charlo really showed us who he is and where he stands in the in the middleweight division. I'd like to th- hear about, th- though, from you, David, in terms of who you think uh, he should, where he should go from this, from this fight with Devrinchenko. I mean, in 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 a in a perfect world, right? I'd yeah. love to see Charlo, Char, you know, go after like uh, Canelo, uh, Andrade, uh, Saunders, something like that. But but in reality, I don't think any of that's going to happen. I think if anything, um, you you're going to see what we've seen a lot from a lot of PBC fighters. You know what I'm saying? And I know some folks are going to say, "Oh, you're being a PBC hater." I'm really not. I'm just looking at the track record of what they do. They go from one really good fighter. And then they fall back down to like another C class, C plus fighter. You know what I mean? Like it, it never moves up. And and it, it, it for whatever reason, it the politics of the, of, of boxing always kind of is a roadblock to what we're going to see next. So unless Charlos are going to be aggressive to the promoter to tell them this is what we're looking for and this is what we want next. I don't see anything happening. If anything, I see them kind of just going backwards, not going forward. Yeah, I see that more for, um, I see that more for, I have a problem for Jermall Charlo, the middleweight, uh, than I do for Jermell Charlo. I think there's a few more options for Jermell Charlo at, at uh, 154, and I'll get to him in, in, in a second. Um, but yeah, I mean, the guys that came away with with wins. Oh, and I forgot to mention the John Riel Casimero fight. Woo! What a performance! What did you think about that with the third round KO of, or TKO of Duke Micah? You saw that one, right? I don't think I did. Which one was that one again? What fight? The the, 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 the Filipino, the John Riel Casimero fight. Oh my God! Oh yeah, dude. You know what? I want to see already. You know, Casimero uh, uh, versus Casimero again. Yeah, dude. Let's just see that happen. Finally. Oh yeah, you me know, too. Forget, let's just forget everything else. That this is the next fight. This is the next fight that we need to see. Okay, this is the next fight that you got to label as it's not going to be on pay per view. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I, no, seriously, <laughs> that is to me must see TV. Yes, and. You know, I think honestly that if the zone ever, sorry, if ESPN um, wants to uh, really make Inoue into a star, they need a fight like this. They need a guy who's going to go in fearless because I have right. no doubt that John Real Casamero is going to be a, a, a fearless opponent and is going to bring out the best in the monster. And I'm pretty sure the monster is going to bring out the best in him. I, that, that's going to be must see TV. So, yeah, so, yeah. but back to. Uh, Jermel, Jermel Charlo, I thought it was a great performance. Um, unfortunately, though, the biggest names at at 160 are one in litigation with the zone, uh, right? Canelo, or two tied with the zone in terms of uh, you know uh, Bubu Andrade. So it's it's tough. I it there aren't good. really any other exciting fights I see for him. right. It doesn't look good, and that's what I mean, and that's. That's what I'm saying. I mean, this was a great performance for both guys, okay? Um, do you see that they can improve? Yes. You know, I mean, look, German Lachenko is tough for anybody, okay? Uh, Gennady Golovkin still kind of lingering out there. We really don't yeah, know where he's going. Fighter. He's another DAZN yep. fighter. Uh, he's actually a fighter that's kind of been left out of the loop. Like, nobody's really been talking about him. I well, to be honest, I, he slipped my mind. That's why I didn't even, that's yeah. why I didn't even mention right. him. He slipped my mind. So Yeah, he's out there too. You know, I mean, if anything, the only option that the 160-pounder Charlo can really do is decide to jump up to 168. Go after Benavides. Go after... Uh, uh, um, 
Caleb Plant. You know, but I don't see that happening. Why should he do that? You know, because the yeah. nuclear fights are at 160. But the problem is, is that the mess that that mess on the table right now hasn't been cleared. So he may no, be sitting out for till mid match. next year. Yeah, he may be sitting out till mid next year, or else again we're gonna see him, you know, backtracking in his career, facing guys that he should have been facing when he was moving up the ladder. Not at this moment. At this, the pinnacle of his time right now, at the peak of his career. Guys that he shouldn't face is going to end up seeing him again in the ring because the options are no longer, the options are not there. Not on his fault, not on PBC's no. fault, because everybody else hasn't seen they got the shit together. Or maybe he goes the route of a Carlos Monzon or, or a Burnett, uh, Bernard Hopkins and defends his title against, you know, every contender that comes every his mandatory. way. Right, um, right. Yeah, right. every mandatory and just kind of milk his, his WBC title for as long as he can. Um, but, you know, you look down the list uh, in the WBC and it's Jaime Munguia, for whatever reason, is ranked number one. Uh, there's There was Sergey, who he just beat. And then there's Leon Williams, who we just saw fight Saturday, the, the British middleweight champion, who just blew out his opponent uh, in one round. Um, I'd on like BC to see Sports. Jaime Garcia. I, I mean, um, Jaime Munguia. Uh, Jaime Munguia. If, if he gets past... Uh, you know, who he's fighting next. Um, because I, I think the, the Charlo that is at 154, who, in my opinion, was uh, losing a lot of those rounds against Rosario, uh, against Jason Rosario, until he got that uh, solar plex shot, that jab into the solar plex and, and dropped, and we couldn't get back up. That's a fight that I I've think. I've never seen a shot tough. like that, by the neither way. Neither have I. Neither, <laughs> neither, yeah. I've never yeah. seen a jab to the body knocking somebody out. Rosario um, fell backwards, man. It was weird. He fell backwards. It almost looked like he was like. He like he looked like a T Rex that fell down and couldn't get back up because his arms were like. <laughs> it was weird, man. It was weird, and I know a lot of folks were upset and they were saying that he he like uh, he took a dive for this fight, but I was like, uh, I watched it again. I mean, that was you can't on fake point. those convulsions. Yeah, you can't fake those convulsions. No, dude, it was like um, right on point. I mean, if you're not getting, you're not getting that oxygen. You're gonna panic, and you saw there was panic in him by doing that with his. Oh, that's what like, was happening. Oh. Yep, he panicked. Yeah. yeah, I remember the first time I ever got winded. Uh, you know, I was at I was in the school, and I was a little kid, and I was running down the hallway and didn't see the the, the water fountain, and yeah, it was up until that point, it was the scariest thing. I was just panicking. Yeah. I literally thought I was gonna lose my life because I wasn't catching any breath. Um. You think he would have experienced that a few times now having, you know, being a boxer because, you know, I've been winded a few times taking body shots. Right. But uh, I guess it was just the sweet spot, you know, touched him and he he couldn't react. I was a little disappointed in 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 banana, to be honest. Uh, Jason Rosario didn't really seem to go in there with any kind of game plan whatsoever. No, I mean, I remember what I said. I said, was he going to go off of his big win? Of, of J-Rock, the way J-Rock went off of his big win uh, against Hurd, against Rosario. That's what we kind of saw, you know what I mean? Um, but I did I did see that he was coming on. I thought he was landing some of the better combinations, you know. But the thing with Charlo was that he was staying composed. Uh, he kept, he, you know, he stayed in the fight, and he used his jab. You know, when, when, yeah. whenever, whenever possible, he used that jab. You know... Whatever shit that the Charlo twins are getting, I got to tell you what, their anger against what is going on to them in boxing is what keeps me wanting to see them again. You know, because they have a very, well, the older, not, the, I don't know if he's the older one, but the one that's a middleweight, he's got a the very, 160, yeah. yeah Jamal. he's very, he's, Jamal's very controlled. Jamal's yeah. the one that's kind of like, to me, he's the brother, like, he's like, I, I want it now. Give it to me now. And, and and if you don't give it to me, I'm gonna take it. And I I don't know why, but every time I've seen a fighter like that, it appeals to me. Like I like that. You know, I like that aggression. I like that attitude. So I'm still He seems a, a little unhinged at times still. He does. I mean he really does. I mean yeah. it's like uh yeah, he just doesn't he's Every now and again, it seems like a screw just fell out and, like, he was he's about to lose it, you did know? You, did you listen um, to that post-interview when he was saying, like, the greats, they don't want to recognize us, they don't want to take us into the that that that, that contingency of being a great fighter? Um, and I was listening to all that. And, and, and though I didn't agree with anything that he said because 
But here's the yeah. thing is that when you're asking a great fighter to welcome yeah. you to the club, well, guys, your career's not over yet. And guys, you haven't fought any of the other greats. It may not be your no. fault you're not fighting any of the other greats because of the politics of it, but you're asking guys that actually had a fight for their position. You're telling them to open yeah. the door. You know what I mean? Like you're literally telling them, I knocked on the door so you should open it, even though you don't know me. Yeah, it's, it's, he's, it got a lot, he's got a lot to prove. I mean, look, yep. beating up on Banana Rosario isn't going to exactly make you a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, um, he's got, he's well, got, the got a little bit 90s, of a while. It 80s and the 90s, it, it, it definitely wouldn't. I don't know about now. Everything's really I don't think it does. I don't think it does right now either, to be, <laughs> to be honest. It shouldn't. Um, but, you know, I, I, you know, I do think he's got more opponents, though, than, than Jamal because – He's got a guy that that's a that's an easy matchup for him right there in the PBC, and that's the WBA. And I'm using air quotes here. Regular champion, right? Um, uh, Eris Landi Lara, and I actually think that would be a pretty good fight. Um, I actually think Eris Landi's just past his physical prime, but he's still got a a skill set, and he's still, you know, um recognizable enough and talented enough to be obviously a, a name that would be important on his ledger should he get that win. And then the other one is obviously Patrick Texera. And honestly, I don't know enough about his promotional situation to, to break down kind of how easy that fight would be able to be made. But uh, that he's the, the last piece of the puzzle in terms of getting all four belts. He's yeah. got the WBO strap. I mean, he's got options. He's got. He still has Hurd. Uh, he still has uh, J Rock. Um, uh, you know, Jaime Morgia uh, is not in any way, uh, you know, uh, in court or whatever, uh, or or in, in bad terms with DAZN. So there, there's options there for him that he can go on forward for. I mean, look. Uh, I don't see that problem happening. I know some folks will be like, well, he's in the zone. Is this and that, they, they, you know, uh, golden boy and PPC have worked together. You know, they, they, they've have showed even with top rank, you know, it's, is it all the time? No, but I think that if, 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 if Charlo and them wanted to make that fight happen next, they could make it happen. It would be up to Golden Boy if they wanted to cash out Morgia right now. And I don't think they would. I think they still want to build on this kid. I still they, I still think they want to see whether or not um, he's, uh, uh, you know, like they can build a bigger following, make him more lucrative uh, rather than just kind of cashing him out. Because, I mean, you got to admit, uh, Morgia would not be the favor against this Charlo. No, uh, I don't think he'd be the favorite against either Charlo. And my understanding no. is that Mungia has moved up to 160. In fact, hmm. I believe he's the mandatory because he was previously the 154-pound WBO uh, champion. I think he's the mandatory to Demetrius Andrade. Um, I, I think he kind of leapfrogged Liam Williams because he was the 154-pound uh, champion. Um, and I do not see him beating Demetrius Andrade. Uh, I actually don't see him beating any of the current middleweight champions. Oh. Um, I don't know, possibly Ryota Rio, uh, uh, Murata, I think his first name, Ryota, the Japanese fighter out there in, in, in Tokyo, who's the WBA regular champion. Um, you know, uh, we've seen him on ESPN a couple of times, um, winning and losing fights. That That might be competitive, but... I don't see why uh, why he take on Mungia. Um, he's not a big enough name. If I'm Murata, I'm <clears throat> trying to get a fight with with Canelo Alvarez, who was rumored to be going out to Tokyo once to fight him, um, and it never materialized. Or uh, Gennady Golovkin. So I, you know, unless he can force a fight with with Andrade, and I don't see him winning that fight. I don't know where Mungia goes at 154. <laughs> I don't or, either. Or 160. I think, really yeah, honestly, so... Golden Boy is doing a great job marketing him. He's a Mexican kid. Um, he is exciting because he throws a lot of punches. But, you know, um, there's, it's a mirage. I mean, there's just a mirage that, that, that really surrounds this kid, you know. And eventually, uh, the smoke is going to clear. 
in my opinion. I mean, that's I would have just held happen. on to the W. I would have just held on to the WBO 154 title and made the right. benches as long as possible. But I think he moved up because he couldn't make that weight anymore. He's a big kid. So um, massive kid, you know, yeah, now really big. Kid. Yeah. Now Patrick Texera's champion there and he's trying to make his way at one 160. But the landscape, like you said, David, is a lot of fights at 154 and 160. The issue is right. more, uh, you know, crossing network and in, in, uh, promotional lines, you know, um, well, somebody has got to be a smooth talker, man, in this uh, political game game uh, between what's going on at the 160. Um, you know, there's got to be some type of let up with, with either like the zone, um, you know, Eddie Hearn, uh, somebody's got to reach out if we're going to see any other matches, because right now, for some reason, you know, at the 160 right now, it's like at a chokehold because of Canelo. Now, is Canelo the only guy in that division? I mean, there's a shitload of other guys in that division. And like I said, again, Gennady Golovkin's name seems to be have dropped, has seemed to have dropped out. What happened to Tom Lawfer? Where is he at? Why is he not as vocal? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, I don't, I don't know if he's still, I don't know if he's still oh, involved he's still, with Tom he's, Lawfer. He's, I mean, he's, he's still involved. You know, he's still involved. But like I said, I mean, it just kind of seems like everything is at a halt because of what's going on with the zone in Canelo and Golden Boy. You know, yeah. Well, um, the thing with Canelo, at one, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. What were you gonna say? I was just saying the thing with Canelo too is you don't even know what weight class he's fighting in. Is he at one sixty? Is he at one sixty eight? Is he at one seventy five? Um, I just have to kind of remove Canelo from the equation. And at this point, right? You know, uh, it's it's tough to say this because Canelo never lost the title in the ring, but Charlo's the WBC champion for whatever that's worth, and Canelo's got this you know, what do they call it? Franchise, sorry, title that allows him, I guess, fluctuate up and down between divisions. Um, that confuses right now, everybody. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it confuses everybody. I mean, right now, 160 is pretty much uh, Charlo, uh, Andrade, and um, um, and that's kind of what we're looking at and dealing with. And, right. you know, We'll see what what happens. I I for one am not even really that excited in, of, about seeing Triple G um, anymore. Uh, I don't know about you, but I guess a Charlo Triple G fight kind of makes sense. I mean, I'm, but who I'm, comes I'm up with the money with... for that? Is the Zone going to come up with the money, or is it PBC? That's the question. That's I think that's the question that everybody's asking. I mean, who who's going to come up with what? You know. I mean, and 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 on what network? You know, I mean, if Al, if I'm Al Heyman and PBC, I'm saying, well, you guys have a sole directed platform that you guys have promoted, and you have already. You know, why would we not want to put our fighter Charlo onto your guys' network? Yeah, right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So you know, because I mean, the zone's gonna want something out of it. You know, I mean, and and the thing about PBC is that they they've been willing to do that. They've kind of shown that they're okay with their fighters going over here. I mean, Amir Khan was with PBC, you know, and and yeah, they went that route with Top Rank and stuff. So I mean, that's what I'm saying. The leeway, what PBC and them will do, is definitely an option of them saying, okay, I'll, I could be the under guy. The only one that they wouldn't budge was with Floyd Mayweather uh, on the cross promotion with Manny Pacquiao. It had to be down the middle, okay? Because that was one of the most lucrative fights out there that ended up being a dud. And I understand all that, you know? I get that, you know? Um, but I think with everything else is that I think PBC, their sole, uh, their sole whole reason of, of getting fighters and pushing them is to try to get them on everything because they got to make them their money. They got to make sure they're getting paid, you know? It's... Every promotional group kind of works their ways different. Like top rank, you can get as, as frustrated you can get with top rank. Hey, at least they have they have a home for their fighters. Are they putting their fighters against the best? No, because top rank has been known to kind of, you know, use up their resources. But if it makes sense, they'll do it. They did it with Tyson Fury with Deontay Wilder, you know. They've done it in the past. It's not like top rank won't do it. 
But there's got to be something there I know, for uh, him. You know? I know the next fight you want to talk about was actually a top-ranked ESPN fight. Oh, yes. Which uh, I- I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about. But before we get to that, uh, you know, we talked before about, um, and I found this funny, and, I, you know, I've actually met Teddy Atlas, nice and nice guy. I actually met him in a barbershop a few years ago, funny really? enough, in Staten Island. Yeah, yeah, I was out, I was visiting my cousin on Staten Island, and he was getting his hair cut, and Teddy Atlas was there just uh, talking to the to the to the guys because my cousin actually lives very near where he has his uh his youth uh boxing center okay. so I guess that's why he popped in there anyways I yeah, was I was watching mm-hmm. yeah I was watching um uh the fight you know his podcast with uh his sidekick I forget the guy's name I think his name's Ken and he was really upset about Tim Bradley again. <laughs> You know, stealing his material, as you said he does, on uh, on the ESPN card. And he was actually asking for an apology almost, it seems. So anyone who's listening to the show, I, check it out. I You may not find it funny like I did, but I thought it was very funny that he was, like, almost pleading with, with, with and very upset with Tim Bradley for taking his lines. And this time it was the line about, you know, call your friends and your family because there's a fight taking place on ESPN Plus. And, and, and apparently, apparently, Teddy had said something like that during right. the uh, the Gabby Ward fight on um Yeah, yeah. So that's a Teddy Atlas line. You know, yep. I don't really memorize these lines, especially from Teddy. I, mo- most of the lines I. I've memorized her from, um, I always reference him, but like George Foreman or, or Manny Stewart. Um, yeah, so I, I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, check it out. I mean, he wasn't thinking it was funny. Um, but, yeah. So, anyways, let, let's talk That's... about that fight. Uh, that was that was some uh, some, some some fight, man, at, at uh, 140. Um, you got guys... Again, it's such a deep division, obviously, with Ramirez and, and Josh Taylor uh, at, at the top and everybody underneath um, kind of fighting to become, uh, you know, a, a challenger to one of the champions. And that's kind of what this fight was all about. Uh, two guys who had fallen in, in past fights to both Josh Taylor and Ramirez uh, fighting it out for a chance to face one of them again. And it turned out to be, I mean, you put it up as a question mark, essentially. I think it had, was fight of the year. I think it had round of the year. And I also think it had KO of the year. What about you? I think so, too. You know, um, which brings me to, to the whole fact with Sepeda. And obviously, and, I, um, I, I'm Bar, uh, Ivan Barchet. Are you there, David? Yeah. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello. Hello. I'm obviously you... speaking about the uh, Jose Zapeta, uh, uh, Ivan Baranchik fight. Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. Um, yeah, you know, I guess, can you, can, I don't know, first of all, let me make sure, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello, hello. I don't know what happened here. Hello, can testing, testing one. Can you hear me? I don't. 